Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. We're going to take a look at potatoes. Uh, potatoes can come in various shapes and sizes, and they can certainly be prepared in many different ways. And uh, depending on how they're prepared and served, it can affect on uh, it can affect our prayer. Uh, so the first thing we'll hit is potato chips. Do you need to? Pray for your potato chips. No, it's okay to just eat those right out of the bag with, without worrying about uh, praying. But what about potato skins? That's a whole other story. That kind of falls in that appetizer category where if you've got a meal coming, uh, then you don't have to pray until your meal gets there. But if not, then you, then you probably ought to pray for those potato skins. Uh, and then you've got baked potatoes. Baked potatoes definitely require a prayer whenever it's served. It's, it's large enough that you should pray. And then finally, what do we do with French fries? If you ask any Bible-believing Christian, you're going to get a different answer on how to handle French fries. Uh, some would say that you need to pray before you eat any fries. Others say you can eat as many fries as you want. But here's the official policy. You can have up to three fries. Uh, without praying, but if you plan on eating more than three fries, you need to bless that before before you even get started. So uh, you can uh, share that with your friends. If you see anybody uh, breaking these rules, let them know uh, that you have you have the official policy now on that. Well, while we've been joking uh, the past few weeks uh, about the helpfulness of these uh, mealtime uh, prayer tips, this morning message. The topic is about our true helper in prayer. It's about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when he left to go back to the Father that he would not leave us alone, but that he would send us a helper, the Holy Spirit. And we find this in John chapter 14, verse 18 through 20. And you can read along or look up on the screen. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. And then you jump to verse 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This really is a profound statement that Jesus is making. And it also highlights a very important point. And that point is that everything that we're going to be talking about this morning has a prerequisite. And that prerequisite is that it's only available if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have to be in Him and He has to be in us. Jesus says that He is in the Father and that we... If we are believers and followers of Christ are in him. And that's the statement in that verse that clearly uh, states that Jesus is referring to Christians. When we are in Christ, the father sees him when he looks at us. The father sees Christ's righteousness and we are justified because we are in Christ. The next statement is also just as profound and that is Christ is in us. So we have Christ's righteousness and are able to go before the throne of grace being in Christ. And we are empowered to live this life in the flesh because Christ is in us. But that's not all. 
Not only are we in Christ and Christ in us, but the Father has sent us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be our helper. And in this verse it says He will teach us all things and remind us of all that Jesus has said to us. But I'm also thankful that the helping of the Holy Spirit doesn't stop there. He helps us in countless ways beyond that. And before we touch on that, I want to quickly highlight a few scriptures that just reaffirm what we've just said. That Christ is in us. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Do you not realize about yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? Romans 8.10 says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And we could go on and on with scriptures that reaffirm this point. And there are scriptures that uh, also declare that the Holy Spirit is in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, The Spirit of God dwells in you. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. 2 Timothy 1.14, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And Romans 8.11, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Amen. Again, we could go on and on. There's many more scriptures that reaffirm that the Holy Spirit is in us. But the key point here is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to our prayer life and our walk in Christ. Before we talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer, I want to quickly look at some of the other areas that he helps us in. In Galatians 5.16, Paul said, If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. There's two things I want to point out in this particular scripture, and that is that the, the Bible tells us it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not plural. It's singular. It's not talking about fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is every single one of those things. If you look in your Bible, there's not even an and. When you're reading a list, you'll see, you know, this was this and this and this and this final thing. There's no and in the scripture. The fruit of Fruit singular is listed and goes all the way to the last one with no and. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And if we have received the Holy Spirit, we can count on the fact that we have received all of those things. And in the process of our sanctification, the process of the work that God is doing in our life, you will bear fruit according to that. The Holy Spirit does it. It's just as miraculous as our salvation. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit in your life, you will see that fruit. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 7-13, it tells us there's also a variety of gifts that are given for the common good and all come from the same Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to quickly list the gifts. You can read the whole chapter later on your own time. It says the gifts of the Spirit are utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, 
prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, various kinds of tongues and interpretations of tongues. And then it says all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit. You might take a note uh, to read Galatians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 sometime this week on your own and you can see the full context of what we just read. But the regardless of the spiritual gift or gifts that the Father has planned for you to walk in during your life, 1 Corinthians 12 makes it clear that they all come from the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit that the Father sent us to help us, to comfort us, to give us fruit, his fruit, and to give us his spiritual gifts is the same spirit that assists us in our prayers, our conversation with God, our relationship with God, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead has been sent to us to pray with us, to intercede for us before the Father. Take a moment and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And while you do that, I'll just kind of explain something that I've run into during my prayer life. Uh, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I sometimes run into when praying is that I don't know what to pray. There's sometimes circumstances or issues in our life that can be very difficult and so difficult that we can't even find words to express what's going on in our whole in our soul. The heartache or the loss that we may feel uh, may just have us totally debilitated. There's also times where we feel isolated and alone, like no one else understands where we are or what we're dealing with. But the truth is that if Christ is our Lord and Savior, we're never alone. As we just read moments ago, Christ is in us. He is in us and we have the Holy Spirit in us as well to help and to comfort us. We are never alone if Christ Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Let's look at what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit helping us in prayer. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we read, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches... Hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is a big deal. I can't overemphasize the importance of walking and praying daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. The word here for groanings is a stenogmos and it literally means groaning or a sigh or inaudible. Basically, it's saying you don't, and just the the scripture describes itself. It says, when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit intercedes. In inaudible words, too, too deep for words, groanings, it's an inaudible prayer. And it's saying the Holy Spirit literally prays the will of the Father through us when we don't have words to pray. We discussed last week how our prayers need to be within the will of the Father. 1 John 5.14 says, Anything we ask according to His will, He hears us, and we can know that we will have the request that we have asked of Him. But the question that follows a verse like that is, well, how do we pray the Father's will? And Romans 8 just told us, 
the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us, praying exactly the the Father's will through us and for us through groanings and sighs and inaudible prayers too deep for words. We can pray in the Spirit confidently, knowing that the will of the Father is being prayed. The Holy Spirit is ever present with us to be our helper in these difficult times. He literally intercedes for us in our prayers. And that word intercede means to act on behalf of someone else. So you have the Holy Spirit acting on your behalf in your prayer And just a few verses down from this, in Romans 8, verse 34, we read that not only do we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us, but that Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us as well. Not only are we not alone spiritually and physically because Christ Himself is in us and the Holy Spirit is in us, but we are not alone in our prayers because we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us in our prayer and Christ Himself is interceding before us in the throne room of God. That should give us great confidence in our prayers. So we can boldly enter the throne room of grace knowing our prayers will be heard when we pray for the will of the Father, to glorify the Father, and knowing if we are praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is praying the will of the Father. I have uh, a personal testimony that I just want to share, and it's, it's on both. Uh, we're going to read in just a second. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. And that's one of those things that I think like, makes a lot of people nervous. Uh, one of the things about the Holy Spirit is, uh, I've heard it referred to that he's a gentleman. He's not going to do, you don't like give up all control of your capabilities um, and just can't control yourself and just pop out speaking in tongues and you can't, you know, th- that your mind or your capacities aren't involved. You know, it's something that he, he walks in us with and that we, we interact with him in that. And uh, the other thing is, so that, that in 1 Corinthians 12, it lists out a whole bunch of gifts of the Spirit. And it says the Father chooses to whom He's going to give what gifts. Paul also later says that we should desire to have all the gifts. So we can pray for these gifts and ask God to give us those gifts, but those are gifts that not all of us are necessarily going to give. It says the Father decides who's going to get what gifts. Um, but in Romans 8, what we read about the inaudible prayer and the, and the Holy Spirit praying through us and interceding for us, there's no inclination in that passage about that being a gift that's only for some. The Holy Spirit is for every single one of us. He, he doesn't distinguish between us. There's not a gift of the Holy Spirit himself. We all are able to receive the Holy Spirit, and he will pray and intercede for all of us. That's not one of those gifts that's, in, that's distinguished to us. So you can count on the fact that when you are in a time and a place, and if you've received Jesus Christ in your heart, and if the Holy Spirit is in you, that he is interceding for you. And Jesus Christ is interceding for you. And I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been in places and times and circumstances where I had no words to pray. Where my, my heart and my soul is in turmoil and I, uh, all I can do is cry out to God and give it to Him and trust and believe that He has a plan and His will is being done and whatever that is, I can trust Him. And it's been groans and it's been cries and it's been 
literally nothing, just nothing can come out. Because you're in a place where there's nothing left in you. But you still go to God and you pray and you can trust and know and believe that the Holy Spirit is praying exactly what needs to be prayed. It promises us that he's interceding for us exactly the will of the Father. And we can trust that that prayer is being prayed when when we are in those times. The other is the actual gift of speaking in tongues. And that, um, I think I was either eight or nine years old, and my father kind of did what we're looking at today. He called me and my brother, and we went into one of our rooms in the house, and he just taught us on the Holy Spirit. And he said, here's the Holy Spirit. Here's what he does. Here's what the Bible says. Here's the gifts of the Spirit. You can ask for these gifts. Um, Be willing to receive the gifts. And so we did that, and we prayed, and we asked for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and both my brother and I uh, received the gift of speaking in tongues, and that's something that I've operated in for almost 32 years now. And I can tell you that, in a sense, it works a lot like that groaning and and silent prayer that we can't uh, utter words. It's just that you allow, when you're in your uh, prayer time, that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And he's praying for other people, things that we don't even know need to be prayed for. It might be things on the other side of the world, whatever God's doing, but he intercedes through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he can work in that and he uses us and works through that. And we just trust him. And, and it's just faith. It's by faith that you believe that he's doing that. But the, the, um, the peace that you get and just knowing that the Father loves us that much to give us these gifts because he knows we can't do it alone and we can't comprehend. I spoke with somebody in the, in the first service. There was something that they had a burden on their heart for prayer and it was a very strong burden to the point that um, they, could, they could hardly talk about it without uh, going into tears because God had laid something on their heart to pray for. And I was just explaining to her that uh, everybody, God can't give us that burden for everything. If he did, we'd explode because God can have a burden for everything on the face of the earth, but we can't. And so he had given her a burden for something. And she said, I just want everybody to see it the way I do and everybody to be praying for it like I am. And I said, I understand that, but God gave you a burden for that and you need to pray for it until that burden goes away. But if he gave us that burden for everything on the earth that needs to be prayed for We couldn't handle it. But what we can do is pray in the Holy Spirit that in an instant can pray for everything that's on the Father's heart in a way that we can't even begin to comprehend because it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at a few scriptures that clarify what praying with the Holy Spirit is like. We already read in Romans 8.28 that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and prays the Father's will through groans and inaudible prayers. And then Acts 2.4 tells us that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Ephesians 6.18 encourages us to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Does that mean that we never pray with the words that our minds can understand? Absolutely not. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 14.15 goes on to say, So what am I to do? 
I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So we're encouraged to do both. To pray with our words and with our understanding and to pray and sing praises in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes prayer more than a human endeavor. He renders our prayers supernatural. The secret of prayer is in the Holy Spirit. The power of prayer is in the Holy Spirit. And the joy of prayer is in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said everyone who believed in him would have the spirit. In John 7:37 we read on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The word that is translated here as were to means shall or should, would and will. It wasn't a question of if, but when. Those who believed in Jesus Christ would receive the Holy Spirit. And it's clear from these scriptures that it's essential to our Christian walk to walk and pray with the Holy Spirit in our daily life. The question that you may be asking yourself now is, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? And if you were to read all the scriptures on the topic, I can't say that I read them all this week, but I read a lot of them. And... If you were to look up what different people in different denominations say about this, you're going to find that there's two common answers to that question. The first is that we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. And the second is that it's a separate experience from salvation that comes afterward and you specifically ask or pray for it. And I think one of the reasons for this confusion is as you study Scripture, you'll find examples of both of these things occurring. John, uh, John 20, 22 tells us that Jesus breathed on the disciples and then simply stated, receive the Holy Spirit. This was after the resurrection and his disciples were obviously believers at that time. So that would fall in a post-salvation experience. Jesus also said in Luke 11, uh, chapter, verse 13, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So this verse seems to imply that we can ask for the Holy Spirit and that the Father will be more than happy to give Him to us. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it's recorded that Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 11:15 says, give, we read a testimony from Paul. Paul uh, went to preach to some Gentiles, which just means non-Jewish believers. We would all, unless you're uh, of Jewish heritage, we're all Gentiles here. So he was preaching to Gentiles and it says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. 
And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was who was I that I could stand in God's way? So this verse is saying that when they heard the word of God and believed, the spirit fell on them at that exact moment in that same time. So what, what we can gather from that scripture is if, if we're sitting this, here this morning and we're hearing the word of God through the Bible, and if you believe this in your heart, if you believe this this morning, the Holy Spirit can fall on you right now and fill you if you receive it. All we have to do is receive. And that's what happened in that instance, in that story. They believed and in that moment were filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 4 says, There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The one baptism here implies that when we believe and are baptized in water, we are simultaneously baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2.38, we read, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We saw somebody get baptized this morning. Praise God. What we believe is that the baptism is an outward sign of what God's done in our life. And I think some people could look at these scriptures and say, well, it's all contradictory. What's what's it really meaning? Well, when I look at this, I don't think it's contradictory because, like I said, we believe that baptism is an outward sign of what God has done within our heart. And what we've seen in this scripture is when those people believed in Jesus Christ and received him in their heart by faith, They received Christ and the Holy Spirit. Whether it happened in that instance or a little bit later, they received Christ. And then they were baptized in water, which was an outward sign of the one baptism. Which Jesus said was now no longer just a baptism of water, but of the Holy Spirit. So there are also two longer stories that you could look up on your own in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 19, that give accounts of the Holy Spirit being received by people who are already believers in Jesus Christ. And you could read those on your own sometime this week as well. But all this to say that I personally don't want to put God in a box and say this is the way he does it. That it absolutely is going to happen right when you accept Jesus Christ. Or it's absolutely going to happen when you get baptized in water. Or it's absolutely only going to happen after both of those things when you pray and ask God to receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible shows examples of all those things happening. So, while we may not know exactly when and where it's going to happen, what I do believe is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely for everyone. The Bible clearly says that the Holy Spirit is given to all believers in Jesus Christ, whether it's at the time of our salvation or at a later time. There's not a single believer in Jesus Christ that the Father will not send the Holy Spirit to, regardless of whether it's by our asking or at the point of our salvation. Just like salvation, the Holy Spirit isn't something we earn or deserve. He is something to be received. 
following the receiving of the Holy Spirit, we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh, like Paul said. And we will see the fruit of the Spirit blossom and grow in our life. We will also receive whatever gifts of the Spirit that the Father chooses to give us. All that's asked of us is to receive. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 to earnestly desire spiritual gifts so we can pray for them and be ready to receive them. And while Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14:5 that he wishes all would speak in tongues, the gift of speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues is like the other gifts. The Holy Spirit gives them as he chooses, but we can still pray for them and be ready to receive them. Speaking in tongues is not the indicator of receiving the Holy Spirit. Some would say that it is. I don't believe that's the case, that, that if you don't speak in tongues, then you've not received the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that's true because it's listed in the gifts that are uh, given by the Holy Spirit. And it says God chooses who he's going to give those to. But again, what Romans 8 says, I believe that's for all of us. That's not uh, the same thing as praying in tongues. Speaking in tongues is different than the Holy Spirit interceding for us through the groanings and inaudible prayers that we read in Romans 8. Romans 8, 26 through 28, in no way implies it's a gift or process that's limited to only some believers. If you know this morning that you've received Christ as your Savior, but you don't feel like you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in the Spirit and to live the life that you've maybe read in the Bible and seen a life that seems at a higher level or at a different level than what you feel like your experience has been. And you're not, you may not be seeing the fruit of this Holy Spirit in your life like you would like to. Or maybe you don't feel like you have the ability to pray in the Spirit. Simply pray and ask the Father this morning and be ready to receive. Jesus promised, he said, if, if we know how to give good gifts to our children and we're evil, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? All you have to do is ask and receive. And then walk obediently in the way that he leads you to. This is a prayer that we can pray with absolute confidence knowing it's in the will of the Father. And if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, then I encourage you to do that this morning. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And I guarantee when you do, you will be totally and utterly made into a new creation. Everything that you were and everything that you are will be made totally new and you will be transformed into a new creation. Your life will never be the same again. I guarantee it. My prayer for myself and all of us this morning is that we will allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into the intention of God's heart through prayer. That we would pray the will of the Father. That we would pray in the Holy Spirit and allow Him to intercede for us. That we might pray exactly God's will and know with confidence that it's going to be done. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.